You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now, here is more to the story. Welcome to the Forefront Church Podcast, our Ghostbusters edition. With us today, we have Egon Spensler, Dr. Dr. Peter Venkman, and Ray Stance, as far as you know. (laughs) (laughs) With us today, Pastor Darren Enns, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hey, everybody. Doing good. Rob, do you spend more than like three minutes on these intros? I don't want to say, really. You guys bring all the heavy <laughs> thought. I got to bring something to it. I just, I bring, I try to bring a good intro and the good looks. So that's what I try. Pa- well, you do that well. well. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor Drew Tarwater, how are you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Good, good. Can I be Dr. Venkman? Sure. I was, I was actually, well, I was actually thinking Darren as Dr. Venkman, as you and Egon. And I was thinking I was hoping I could be Ray Stentz. I was hoping to be Ray, <sighs> if I can't be Vankman. I mean, you know, you guys got the glasses. So one of you guys got to be Egon. When I think of doctors. Plus he's tall. When I think of doctors, I think of Darren. Sorry. <laughs> but was, was, was Bill Murray really digress. a doctor? Was he really a doctor? It was doctor? the character he played. He was a ca- character. <laughs> I, and I'm Rob Blasey. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, recapping what Darren preached about last week and then kind of going on the ghosts and goblins of Halloween. So Darren, could you recap what you preached about uh, last week? Yeah, I preached on uh, Matthew chapter 8, 23 through 34, and there are two stories in, in those scriptures where the first one is where Jesus calms the storm and the seas, uh, and then in the next story, when he lands the boat, uh, he uh, exercises some demons, essentially. Um, it's not like a true exorcism because the demons actually ask for permission to go into this herd of pigs that's feeding nearby. Uh, and so Jesus permits them to do that, and then the pigs run down into uh, in, into the sea, and, and they die. And so it's really interesting to see, then, what is the reaction of the, the townspeople in, uh, in, in that region? Because they are they come face to face with the power of Jesus. And um, according to verse 33, uh, those who were tending the pigs, they ran off, they went into town, and they, they gave a report about everything that happened. Uh, so they, it talks about the pigs. But then in verse 33, it, they say that this report includes what happens to the demon-possessed men. And so what I think that tells us is that the, these townspeople had a choice to, to make. Are they going to value the lives of the pigs? of the livestock there, or are they going to celebrate that two men had been redeemed and healed from this demon possession? And they ask Jesus to leave, meaning that they value, I I think they value the pigs uh, higher than they do the men. They don't want anything to do with Jesus. So um, I asked the question to us, when we're confronted with the power of Jesus, what is our choice? And I shared some stories about people who have been redeemed from, from evil that had taken hold in their life. Um, and, you know, since it was Halloween, I kind of leaned into the paranormal and supernatural um, aspect of the story because th- there are definitely spirits, evil spirits, call, call them demons, whatever you want. There are uh, op- opposing forces um, to God and his angels out, out there. Um, 
And so I, I shared stories, not necessarily of demon possession, but at, speaking pastorally to, to a group of predominantly Christians there in the room, um, we still allow evil in certain ways to access our life. And, and it can come through the lies that we believe. So I shared a story of, of, a, of, a, of a guy I know who, when he was young, he believed a lie that he was ugly. And that opened a gaping wound that evil, just the generic evil that's in this world, not necessarily a demon, but to, to take hold of him, to get deep-rooted. And he believed other things then about that he was unloved. He tried to turn to, um, to pornography and those sorts of things. And ultimately, depression set in because he, he could not find the love true love anywhere. And God, however, recently uh, just redeemed that from him and showed him um, what that was like. And I also shared a story about how one of my friends, he couldn't confess to God. There was something literally uh, preventing him from saying words of confession. And so I prayed against whatever kind of evil might be within him and it flowed uh, that confession flowed out of his mouth. And so that there's just something unique about the spiritual realm uh, that Jesus shows us here, that he has power over it. Uh, and, and, and God um, is, yeah, he, he's the ultimate good. He's the ultimate power in the universe. Uh, and, and he can, he can handle it. No, it's interesting to think about with, all, with, uh, especially where they were valuing the pigs more than the humans, more than mm-hmm. the, and, and pigs are gross. Drew, did you like my, uh, even when you're gone, you still get a barbecue. You get a, you get a barbecue joke. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. Well, I just, you know, Here's what I would have said. I, w- I would have said, hey, guys, why are we all in arms over these pigs? Let's just fry them up and make bacon, and then you guys will be praising God for the <laughs> glory of bacon-wrapped jalapenos. Yeah, well, we, like I feel like that would be a different like a product brand. Like, what, would you, uh, what kind of rub would you put on those type of pigs, on that type of pork? You know, it, it is interesting to think about this, right? So, Darren, as I was listening to your sermon last night, just uh, at home watching that terrible Steelers-Dolphins game, I was listening to your sermon and was just thinking to myself, you know, we've, we, we as Christians should value, value everything, right? God calls us to, to have dominion and rule over his world. And so we value animals and we, you know, as Christians, we should be the ones that value animals the most. But yet at the same time, you know, it, it, it just shows you the, uh, the, the hierarchy that, that human life is so much more valuable than, than animal life. And I, I think we, sometimes we see these situations where, remember a couple of years ago at the Cincinnati Zoo, I think there was a gorilla that, um, that ended up, a kid fell in there and, and, and was injured and that gorilla was put down. And there was this huge push out there amongst people, animal rights activists, and just like, well, you can't kill the gorilla, you know, it was the kid's fault for falling in. And I think that's it's just ludicrous to think about, you know. God, I mean, we see right here Jesus is valuing the life of this of this man who was demon possessed, and and puts very low value on these animals. Um, and so, not that as Christians we we should absolutely value all of God's creation, but the hierarchy of creation, mankind is the crown jewel. Um, and so, just a little tidbit, a little a little uh, thing I pulled away, Darren, as it was totally off subject that I was thinking about yesterday. But I think even in the life of Jesus, um, you know, we we see that you know how much human life matters and how much it, it values, and how we need to pay, take a page out of his book and value all of God's people. No, it makes sense. So, in all that, then the follow up question I have for you guys is: as Christians, can we celebrate Halloween? Oh man, good question. Well, depending upon where you grew up, 
and your kind of, especially if you grew up in church, I think there's been all kinds of really like fun, creative ways to try to get around calling it Halloween, right? It's like harvest party, <laughs> fall festival. Uh, I grew up in a, I grew up in a, um, um, it was called the Apple Fest. In my mom's old hometown near St. Louis was called Apple Fest. There's apple butter making days. There's always like little things you can do around Halloween to, to get kids to dress up and go get candy, but not call it Halloween. And Darren, you talked a little bit in your sermon yesterday about how th- there are some undertones in Halloween that some people look at. and I, But I think most people just look at it as this kind of goofy thing to dress up as kids and go, um, you know, go get candy and that kind of stuff. But because there is that undertone uh, of, of some kind of spiritual elements, you know, it does make many Christians weary. And so should we be weary of that? I don't know. My, my opinion is this. I think it's all about your heart attitude. And if you look at Halloween as just a way to, to, to get goofy and dress up your, your little one as Batman and take him out and get some candy. And your heart attitude is literally just, I got a cute little five-year-old who loves me Batman. I think the difference is if you're draw like, you know, if you're putting a whole graveyard in your front yard and you're getting really into it, then are you inviting some unsavory things into your arena uh, so I think ultimately, as Christians, we have the liberty to to go and celebrate Halloween and, and go out and get candy if we're just doing it for the kind of the secular fun part of what the holiday is. But if it gets deeper than that, then I think we have to beware. Yeah, when it depends on, as you said, kind of where you grew up. Uh, my wife and I have had very different um, uh, very different views growing up. Like I was in the middle of Kansas. Nobody was worshiping or trying to communicate with demons. Or anything, and so it was just—it literally was just dressing up in a costume, going and getting candy. Um, <clears throat> whereas, as my wife grew up close, closer around here in Denver, and there's a lot more dark stuff that happens here in Denver. Uh, she told me about how uh, one time in her neighborhood, a black cat got out on on Halloween, and it went missing, like it never came back. And and people do some uh, really horrible stuff to black cats on Halloween because th- they're kind of—I mean. It, think of a, a stereotypical witch like that they, they have a cat that follows them around it's always a black cat um there's a famous painting of picasso that's that's from like multiple different perspectives but but there's a cat like it, there's a black cat on the on the shoulder of this witch that that he paints uh so yeah black cats and i have a black cat so we make sure that doesn't he never leaves the house but i blame bet midler and hocus pocus <laughs> oh yeah potentially I th- but picasso was before that i think <laughs> probably Maybe by a few by a couple years <clears throat> Yeah, but anyway, yeah. There's there's this there's this idea uh, of Halloween that's kind of on the spiritual side, um, and I I I forgot to share my or I didn't share my my top ten costume list yes. uh, of of uh, of costumes from Halloween. This is from the same place that I got um, my my numbers of revenue of how Halloween has grown. So are you ready for this this top ten yeah. list? Is it Letterman's yeah, top ten list? Okay, so here's the the crazy thing. Six out of ten of these are what I would consider like part of the supernaturals spiritual realm mm-hmm. um so here we go number 10 princess that's cute probably a lot of little girls dressing up as princesses number nine is the devil that's definitely in that category hmm. uh, number eight is dracula it's a vampire i'm counting it seven is spider-man coolest super villain, superhero in my mind six zombie uh there's a, a tie at number five i definitely have my favorite here cat or batman Ooh. i think cats are better i'm going batman, batman. <laughs> uh, number four is a pirate and then here's the top three ghost vampire number one is a witch and even when people dress up their animals there's there's a witch and there's a ghost and there's a devil 
in the top 10. Like you have a devil dog or a ghost cat or or Mm. something like that. Or maybe, I don't know, a a devil parrot. Is that a thing? (laughs) But anyway, there's, I, I shared in the sermon about how, how Halloween is, is growing in our culture. Uh, And I think one reason is that we are younger people like me and younger are rejecting, um, are rejecting materialism. And we're starting to experience things like spend our money on things we can experience, like go on vacations, go to a show, um, and do all these kinds of things. So and I was watching football yesterday and, and I noticed, I started to notice commercials are selling experiences. They're not talking about their products and all the amenities that it has they're, show, they're, they're selling an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, there's a Liberty mutual car insurance or just insurance commercial where it's, they come out and they actually make fun of this cultural trend. It's like statistics show that insurance sells better when people are having a good time. And so here's a pool party. And then they, <laughs> they have someone coming with an app. Hey, everybody, I brought insurance. And then they have a massive, amazing party. Uh, also, there's a Chevrolet commercial that's, that's showing people singing a song and just smiling and having a great time in all of their electric vehicles. Like, so they're intermixing, like people singing with, with the Chevrolet logo on the front of the, of the car. And there's people laughing and having a good time and smiling and then, uh, insert, you know, name of car. Oh, yeah. No, uh, like, it's all about the yeah. brand experience it's, with that. It's funny. Cause like Coca-Cola, yeah. Yeah, it's, Coca-Cola it's, never, it's Coca-Cola never advertises how good their product tastes. <laughs> they, it's yeah. always, you know, the, the polar bear is going down the winter sled. <sighs> it's yeah. It's all about that good fit. The rem- or even, even Budweiser and these ads that you see, like with the Clydesdale. They don't, they don't talk about how much better their drink is than other drinks. It's that remembering of events that you had with their products that you'll go enjoy that again. Well, and that's what yeah. draws us into things. I mean, we as people, we, we want experiences. That's why we spend way too much money on a vacation or, you know, we, we, we do these things and we take a thousand pictures. It's because the experience is what draws us and connects us in. And advertisers know that. I mean, you know, sometimes we, we take it for granted. Like these advertisers, I mean, there's they got, you know, psychologists working for them. I oh, mean, there's yeah. social psychologists who are making lots of money working for Coke and, and Pepsi and these companies and Facebook trying to, 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 you know, pull on those, those desires that we have for more. And I think it comes back to the fact that we were designed to, to rule and govern and given dominion and the image of God. And, um, and we desire experiences and it's why we like camping and hiking so much and in driving new Ford Broncos through Moab in the sand, you know? <laughs> so, so yeah, it makes sense. And I think you're right there in the same when it comes to Halloween, like, you know, Hey, how do we create this experience for our kids by dressing them up and taking a thousand pictures and going to six or seven trunk or treats. And, but, you know, I guess the danger is, do we open a door um, to a world that most people don't know exists? And, you know, are, are we inviting some demonic evil activity on, from a spiritual side in, into our lives when we just weren't paying attention and weren't even aware that we were doing so? Yeah, I think in our culture, uh, we're three middle-aged white dudes uh, so speaking of our culture, mostly, we, like th- there's a there's a certain rationalism that we hold really high in the post enlightenment world, where the spiritual realm doesn't make sense. Like if we can't see it, smell it, taste it, touch it, hear it, it, it doesn't exist, right? That's that's right. the post enlightenment realm, but that's not the way it is in in all cultures and in all lo- locations. Um, Drew, you were just talking about you have some missionary friends who, who share crazy stories uh, of when they're when they're in the mission field um, in places where 
the spirit realm is like they're more aware of it and they mm-hmm. see these these type of interactions between the physical and the spiritual realm a, a lot yeah you know i had a, a missionary buddy tell me one time he said you know when you go into um, parts of africa um when you move into different parts of, uh, of, of Asia where ultimately it, you know, there, there has been no gospel presence. It's effectively 50 AD, you know, um, you, we, we look at like in this post enlightenment world in the West, like you said, Darren, uh, but many of these places in Africa, they're still living in, in, in tribalism. Um, they're still in a place where there's a lot of animal worship or ancestral worship. And there's a lot of different, um, you know, evil, demonic or dark spiritual forces at play. And these missionaries will come into these new villages and uh, they'll, they'll, they'll see people, uh, they'll see demonic um, influences and they'll see, um, you know, they'll see demons flee people as the name of Jesus is spoken. And they've seen some just really, really things that would, would freak us out. Rob, you might remember we had an interview with Doug Cobb a couple mm-hmm. of years ago and Doug talked a little bit about some of this if you go back into our archives. Um, but, you know, we, we're so sheltered from that living in 2022 and, and that we really just kind of play it off as some really cute Bible story. But our, you know, missionary guys and gals that are on the front ends going into these really dark spiritual places where, I mean, West Africa is where voodoo began, right? And so you go into some of these areas and, and man, you see a lot of dark spiritual things at play you see demonic forces all the time and, and it's nothing new for these missionaries, but it would scare us if we stepped foot in those environments without some training. No, it's interesting to think about like, you know, you mentioned like voodoo and some of the stuff and on the other sides of the world, but what about like the new age culture where it kind of has the, the rainbow and fluffiness and like, Oh, it's all for you to make you feel better. The self help to a degree, even, even yoga. It's like, there's a, in our culture, there's, ways has been brought in softly to sort of open up a door and what you know what are your thoughts on like because like there's some people that would say yoga is you know uh a spirit act of spiritual worship i think it's is it buddhist i may be wrong on that or hindu one of those two i think it's hindu and so similar to halloween it's like are you just trying to loosen up your back or are you trying to put your body in a position to let a, a foreign god into it yeah, I, I've heard some some interesting stories about uh, like yoga, you know, connected to those more Eastern religions and especially something like meditation. Um, <clears throat> meditation is something that is very helpful for a Christian, but it's also an essential part of other religions as well. And it all depends on like, what are you meditating for? Like if you're meditating to to achieve the mind of Christ, you're inviting Jesus in to, to your life and, and you're not... Um, you're not trying to achieve nirvana where where you're trying to empty yourself like completely and escape this physical realm um where i i've heard i think i read an article possibly in the atlantic one of those long form journalism type places where somebody went to a retreat and and it was designed f- for them to meditate and to achieve a higher spirituality but but the meditation you're trying to empty yourself and, and all of a sudden, there are stories that come out of this place where people go crazy, that, where they meditate to a certain extent, and, and they because they actually do achieve some form of emptying themselves, then it's all of a sudden they have some kind of out-of-body spiritual experience where they can't make sense of what is real anymore. And that's really damaging and really dangerous mm-hmm. because this physical realm 
it, it is true. Uh, we we are body, we're, we're soul, spirit, however you want to view that. Drew, you talked about that a couple weeks ago. Like, our holistic self includes the physical realm. And as Christians, it's not like we're trying to escape this physical world. We just want to redeem it through Jesus. And Jesus is going to come and finally redeem it eventually. But in heaven, we are going to have an existence that includes a body, that includes physical types of things. So um, we, we have to be careful whenever we enter into something like, like yoga, where there is a side of it, that, that you're uh, and I don't know a lot about it. Uh, so Rob, it actually sounds like you know more than I do in this instance. Um, so you're the doctor in this case. But uh, <laughs> That's scary. Yeah, I, th- th- there are dark sides to many things, um, just like there were dark sides to some of the holidays we celebrate. Like like uh, Christmas used to be more of a pagan holiday, uh, and Christians just kind of co-opted it and turned it into something. Like if you're a Christian and you celebrate um, Christmas without mention of Jesus, like you're giving presents and de- decorating a tree, that's that's just completely cultural. Like it's only in parts, certain parts of North America where snow is part of Christmas. There wasn't snow when Jesus was born. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, if you look at the, the, the roots of of, uh, yoga, it does have Hindu roots. Um, There's also some, you know, some ancient Buddhist practices too. And I think the idea was that, yeah, mind, body, and spirit, like you wanted to try to get yourself in a place where there was this emptying of yourself, right? You had, in stretching and, and these poses, you could, um, create this about place, breathing as well, breathing. Right? Exactly. You create this place where you really kind of sense this, there's this spiritual connection with the world around you. Um, and, and, you know, that's why there's been a lot of push amongst Christian groups. Just, Hey, be careful. You know, nothing wrong with Christian stretching, but be, be careful if somebody's who's leading these groups and they're, they're, they're leading you to a place where they're trying to achieve something spiritual, where your heart attitude is you just want a good workout, you know, uh, because there is a spiritual element at the roots of what yoga was based on. Um, I, I think we do, you know, it's interesting, Rob, you were talking about you and Sam are down in Sedona. Mm-hmm. There's all the talk about the vortexes down there in Sedona. Um, you'll talk to other people who have just these different experiences and we, when you, when you talk to people who maybe aren't Christian, but consider themselves to be spiritual, there's a lot of different experiences out there, right? People have experience with, with, um, ghost stories. People have experiences with, I mean, people even talk about alien abductions and there's just like, there's this whole other world out there that it's kind of spooky to think about. And, and so a lot of times as Westerners, we kind of clamp that down and and just kind of blow, blow it off as nonsense. But, but could it be that within this spiritual world, there is these dark spiritual forces, which the Bible talks a lot about, and they mask themselves in these, in these other uh, forms to where we think, oh, well, there is something to do with crystals or there is something to do with vortexes, or maybe there really are ghosts or aliens or whatever it is. And it, it truly is just the, the, the army of, of the darkness, basically, right? The demons and the demonic spiritual forces, um, that are posing themselves to draw our eyes and hearts away from the true reality that Jesus gives us, um, that when the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us, then Jesus gives us the ability to live the the life we were created to live in to battle against these dark spiritual forces. No, absolutely. Like when my wife and I went down to Sedona, we went with one of our friends who, who isn't a Christian, but in that spiritual sense and the spiritual, you know, person. And what's interesting is then, uh, you know, the question comes up is like, do you believe this stuff is real? And I would say growing up in, you know, Christian culture, you know, private Christian school educated. Like at first I'd be like growing up and was like, no, it's not real. It's 
then all of a sudden you start realizing that Satan and demons will do anything they can to get you distracted from Jesus. And they're in the they're in it for the long game. They they understand what's what's at what's at stake more than what we do at times. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I hundred percent believe that stuff is real. It's just a matter of going, like you said, what's where's your heart at? What's your posture going into it? What's that old quote? You know, the greatest trick the devil ever told was to convince the world he didn't exist. Um yeah, and I feel like that came. That was a great movie quote from Sizer Kose or something. Um, but I, but I think, think about everyone it. should read uh, a Screw Tape Letters from C.S. Lewis. Right. It's so fascinating because it's, yes. it's letters from a senior tempter demon to a an under demon, and right. it's just fascinating on how he how they work in in British culture in the fifties. But it's interesting if you say, you know, if the demonic, you know, let, let's, let's enter in that conversation. They say, hey, well, let's, instead of letting them know that there are, you know, that we're here, let's just trick them to think that there's vortexes and aliens and ghosts, you know, and that's more interesting them. than the opposing force of the Holy Spirit. Right, exactly. Right. No, absolutely. So can a demon possess a Christian? Ooh, I've got a great opinion on this. But Darren, do you want to go first? Not really. Okay, here's my, okay, here's, good, good, good. Okay, okay, I just want to give you a chance before I, before I steal this. Okay, yeah, I was recently having a conversation with somebody about this, and I think this is really interesting because there has been a lot of thought out there when people, especially, I, I want to say you might see this more in prosperity gospel circles where it said that, you know, hey, I have the demon of alcoholism, or I have the demon of addiction, or I have the demon of fill in the blank. But Jesus talks about this. It's really interesting. And so in Matthew 12, 29, somebody comes up and they say, hey, D- hey Jesus, um, the only reason you're able to cast out demons is because you have a demon yourself, right? And Jesus is like, well, hold on. That doesn't make anyone sense. That doesn't make any sense. And so he basically says this. He said, how could a house divided up against itself stand, right? And so then he gives this, this little picture in Matthew 12, 29. He says, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. And so what Jesus is saying is that when you are a Christian, when you um, ultimately have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, that is the strongest force possible. A demon could never come into you and possess you because you have the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, Rob, short answer, you know, I think we can struggle with a lot of things in our life because we are you know, people born in a sinful world and we can deal with a lot of things like addiction and fear and anxiety and depression that, um, if we label them wrong, we could think are something that's external to us. Um, but I think what Jesus is saying is no, we, we as people cannot be demon possessed. Uh, we cannot have an influence inside of us. That's greater than the Holy spirit. If you're a Christian, now, for non-Christians, I think we see all over the place, as we just said, in missionary, some of the missionary experiences and all over the biblical narratives that non-Christians can be possessed by demons, uh, but as Christians, we cannot. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, I think there, and this is what I shared on Sunday, that pastorally speaking, a Christian, while we may not be able to, or while a, 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 a demon, spiritual demon, you know, who has, is a person, personality type thing, probably can't like inhabit a Christian, we can still allow evil in our lives that manifests itself in, in a unique way. And these are the, sh- the stories I shared that even though the, the, like the, the, the first friend I shared about who the, um, the person who, who, who asked him if he was adopted because he was uglier than his siblings, um, he, he was a Christian for his whole life, as far as he knew. Um, 
and and that wound that God opened up, there was always evil that w- was able to to latch on and uh, through those lies that we believe. Um, and so, wh- how I view that, like if I can yeah, explain through a metaphor, it's like if you have a house, um, the house is, is your body, and the Holy Spirit wants access to the entire house. But it, within your own house, you may have a secret room that you don't know is there. And the Holy Spirit wants to let you know it's there, and then he wants to open the door to show you what's inside. And sometimes it's, it's, an evil, it's evil through a lie that you believed. Other times, we willingly keep the Holy Spirit out of a room in our house. If there's a, 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 some kind of sin, um, whether it's like uh, an addiction to alcohol, uh, smoking, pornography, something like that, sometimes we willingly keep that door closed and don't let the Holy Spirit in. And so when we sit down to have a, a conversation with God and the Holy Spirit— He's like, oh, hey, how are you doing? Cool. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Uh, hey, what's in that room? What's, what's back there? It's like he, he keeps bringing this, this thing that like, hey, I want access to this room. What, what's in here? Can we talk about it? Let, let's clean it out together. And, and let's set it up so that I can come in and reside within you. It's, it's like preparing a room for, for God to, to be with us. So that's what I would say pastorally uh, to Christians, that we still have parts of our lives that are evil and 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 the Holy Spirit wants to dig really deep and, and redeem us. No, it's an interesting way to think about it. So yeah, with can Christians be possessed? But then when just I guess you got like you said with the whole heart posture of being careful of what you're giving yourself opening yourself up to in the meantime mm-hmm. too. Yeah, what lies like what lies do we believe about ourselves that that cause us to doubt true things, true things that are from God? No, that's a good way to think about it. Good way to think about it. Well, with Trunk or Treat coming up here at Forefront Church this weekend, I'm going to dress up as an invite to a Zoom call. <laughs> How are you going to do that? I don't know yet. Maybe uh, go get a refrigerator box and some printer paper and figure mm. something out. <laughs> I think it's a great costume. I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, or, or, or a Teams message. That might be another good, scary go. one. <laughs> right? So, but... I guess then in quick thought then and and recap guys, how do you know that like what would you encourage people to to know the truth? How would they know the difference between when a lie and a truth? Yeah, I think the important part is that we stay connected so that we're you know we're spending time with Jesus and we're spending time learning about God. I think the more we learn about God and the way He creates the world to work, the more we're aware that there is something unseen that we don't understand. The more time we spend with Jesus, you know, reading the Bible and prayer with His people, uh, connected with other believers, the more we can learn about how we, as Paul would say in Ephesians six, put on the armor of God, and we have the greatest weapon against. Um, all of the things that we face, right? Anxiety, depression, fear, but also the attacks of the enemy and these dark spiritual things that exist out there in the word of God, you know? And so we have the, uh, the weapons that God has equipped us with. And we know that the Holy Spirit, that Jesus um, are, are stronger. They are the strong man. And when we have the Holy Spirit residing in us, when we have a relationship with Jesus, we have what we need to be able to fight these battles. Now, God isn't calling us to go be demon hunters by any means. He's the one that is fighting the battles for us. However, the more time we can spend connected with God's people and learning about God and in 
spending time with Jesus, the stronger we get and the more our heart posture towards comes towards worshiping Jesus and realizing that he's going to give us exactly what we need to make it through the day. And then we don't have to necessarily spend time dwelling about these things, but knowing that they exist, I think is important. And knowing the truth of God's word, I think is what gives us true clarity. I'll ditto all that uh, and also emphasize the communal aspect of what we do. Uh, a, a Christian on on his or her own um, can be effective, but if we use a metaphor of a light shining out in the darkness, a single light when joined together with other lights produce even more light, that there's something that can be amplified when we join together. And that's why I love to... the. The vision of like like forefront. We want this to, this place to be a beacon of light, especially on Sunday mornings when we're gathering here in person to to worship God. Um, that there's something powerful when we get together and and we combine our collective uh, praise to God. Uh, so yeah, I I love to join together with other believers, and, and I encourage you if you're not connected with with, with the church, you can come find us here at forefront or or reach out, go find someone, go find a Bible preaching church who who loves God and and loves His Word as well. No, absolutely. On that, if you have questions or thoughts, like we could keep going on this for a while. If you have thoughts on the topic, send them questions to us at life at forefrontchurch.tv. Feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you're at church, if you're at Forefront Church on a Sunday, we have the communication boxes. Feel free to put a communication card in there with your question as well. Once again, love to hear from you any way we can. Any parting thoughts, Pastor Darren Enns? Nope. All good. Pastor Drew Tarwater. If you have any leftover Reese's peanut butter cups, feel free to drop them on my desk. (laughs) Post Halloween. (laughs) The calorie count starts. Ramp up for Christmas, baby. Hey, I'm about to be able to take the dad tax (laughs) on my kids. Oh, yeah. No, it's a a real thing. Is that a great thing, Drew? It's a great thing. Yeah, it absolutely is. (laughs) How much do you charge? 10%? Oh, 15. Ooh, okay. He, take, he takes the Reese's peanut butter cups out I first. Do. Then he starts I the tax. So, well, thanks for listening. I'm Rob Blasey, and we'll look forward to having you guys join us next week as well. Thank you, guys. You have been listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.